Hey everyone and welcome back to the Innovation Room podcast. My name is Tori Holman and I'm so excited to be with you. I'm also excited to welcome back my co-host Rhiannon, who we haven't seen in a while, but I'm so, so happy that she's back with us. I'm happy to be here. It has been a little bit of time since I've been on here yeah. and I'm really excited today and excited to talk about the topic. We really wanted to go back to our roots at North American and something that's always been of value to us and so important is just that continued ed education piece. We want to make sure that we are learning right alongside you. So today our hot topic is sustainability and how you can harness your vendors to help you and your company with that sustainability. So really looking forward to it. Okay, everyone, before I introduce our guest, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast, or you can get the audio version wherever you find your podcast. And now, drum roll, please. I'm really excited to introduce our guest, Bryn. She is a senior FM with Kava. She's been in the facility maintenance space for over a decade. She's also a freelance writer, and she's published in a couple of different industry publications, and as if that wasn't enough, she's also an accomplished opera singer. We're not going to make her sing for us today, but it's just a really fun fact about Bryn. So um, Bryn, tell us a little bit about how you got into the FM industry. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited to be here. I've been interested in science and um, both STEM fields and traits for really almost as long as I can remember. So over a decade I guess professionally but as a kid I used to work with my dad who was a who was an engineer on both like computer and home projects which really got me interested in how the world fits together in the ways that we don't see I, I just I really wanted to know how everything works and as an adult I I think sometimes they say you marry your father and that's sort of <laughs> true because I, I went for someone who really helped deepen the love of learning about how things work his his technical acumen really helped me to dig deep and and learn more about all sorts of things um, including commercial kitchen equipment so since we were married basically we started buying equipment at auction and rehabbing and selling that uh at the time he was working for xerox also working on solutions for xerox repairs which was really cool so you know every time he would talk i would listen and learn and now I'm, you know, professionally in an FM role, but we also do relationship building science experiments on the side. Like uh, he, I got to help him build a hydrogen generator in our backyard and that was amazing. And uh, we then designed and built a fully U.S. sourced solar array for our like mountain farm. We live in the mountains. So that was really cool and amazing. And this launched me into wow. all things all things facilities and, and really loving how things work. That is so amazing. And Bryn, every time we talk, I, it, you amaze me. Just, just, you're so smart. You're like, I'm in this like coding group, this coding moms group or something. And I'm like, that's alphabet soup, honestly. I don't know. It, it's, it's truly mind blowing <laughs> to me. It's in one ear and out the other on my end. I don't know. <laughs> I love I it. just love I love to know how everything works and it doesn't matter like what that thing is I'm it's like what I totally thrive on so oh uh, I love that that's so cool 
So after listening to Bryn's background, I am so excited to dive into this first topic, which is just defining sustainability. Before we go into the vendor side of things and how they can help with that, let's just first and foremost start from the beginning of what is sustainability. I know that it can be defined differently by different companies and different people. So Bryn, tell us what is sustainability and how can we break it down for businesses? Yeah, so we really have three main areas of sustainability um, that we could focus on. We have, there's eco-friendliness, so um, reducing our carbon footprint, uh, reducing waste, reducing consumption. Then, then there's the social responsibility aspect, so um, supporting social causes, um, sourcing things ethically, which is super important. Um, fair trade and, and local sourcing, um, which really helps uh, sustainability, and then also building jobs for the United States. Um, and then we have compliance. Um, there's a lot of government programs going on out there um, that are really diving into this sustainability field. So um, learning to comply with regulations, um, certifications, and even industry standards that are mandated by certain municipalities. Um, so all those contribute to to a company's longevity and, and public perception, which is important. Absolutely. Why is sustainability so important? I know from everything that I've learned, I, and like I said, it's a hot topic. Everybody's talking about it. A, we want to look good as a company. We want to have that good value added to our company. But really, what do you feel why sustainability is so important? Why should we focus on it's, that? It's all about the future. Like we, we all have people we, we care about that are going to outlive us and they'll have people they care about that are going to outlive us. And and how we take care of the earth is is important. What we pass on to, to our children, but also, you know, how we treat the natural world and how that, you know, how that longevity plays out is, is really critical. I think all the other aspects really play into that and, and just mm -hmm. our, our responsibility yeah. as humans. Yeah. You know, we, you read about sustainability a lot as a mm -hmm. thing that businesses should focus on. And then I'm thinking about myself as a consumer and as an employee and, you know, as a consumer, right? Like I'm super into skincare. Okay. So I like to purchase skincare items from businesses that use sustainable packaging that source ethically that have recyclable packaging things like that i'm looking for as a consumer but then also as an employee and i think there's i'm sure that there's research to back this up but employees especially young employees really want the companies that they work for to not just give them a paycheck and provide benefits but they also want them to be into all these sustainability practices as well and they want them to be a company that shares their value and that's something Absolutely. that i value as a manager we deal with problems every day and especially on my side and in your side for an in the facilities world i mean we're dealing with problems and problem solving daily and it you know i think it's different how we look at things now because it used to be so much more I just want to fix this problem and move on and not think about what the future consequences are and how that is going to affect those, you know, coming up. And I mean, in the sign world, obviously we're taking out all fluorescent and all, all old neon and how that affects, you know, the future of our 
companies that we work for. So it's really interesting in looking at that and stopping and saying, okay, really, what is this job that I do every single day and these problems that I solve every single day affecting, how are those affecting the next generation? Yeah, I totally agree. So Bryn, we talked about a few aspects of the sustainability and what is most crucial for companies. What do you think they should adapt to first when companies are really focusing on that sustainability topic? I feel like this is a really important question. And, and from my perspective, the human element is really what everything else hinges on and what everything feeds into, um, no pun intended, restaurant industry joke. Yeah. But for example, if we sacrifice ethical sourcing for a perception of eco-friendliness, aren't we then trading future lives for one that could be at risk now? And, you know, we want to make sure that we're being responsible and valuing people living now and people living in the future as well. And a great example of this would be the use of lithium ion batteries. So many people in the United mm -hmm. States and, you know, and no fault of their own are swapping out things like gas lawn lawnmowers or even, even in the restaurant industry, gas powered catering vehicles for electric, because there's this perception out there that electric means eco-friendly. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it does. Mm -hmm. We're finding it more and more that, for example, China is using African labor, some of it likely involving children to harvest lithium from African mines rich in the elements. So doing thorough research on sourcing ethically can be a huge and important component. It's, it's really what should inform our decisions. And, you know, we can be better about doing more research on the things that play into that human element, finding out where that lithium is sourced for our batteries, because there are mines in the U.S. as well. So if, you know, and finding out how those batteries are then being recycled, those are all critical and play into that human element and um, that social element. And then there's also things like food-based businesses, like grocery stores and chains, who also really desire to see an improvement in the world and in their local areas. And they make it making a commitment to plan and address food waste through companies like um, one of them is Refed, I think. I'm not endorsing Refed. I don't know a ton about them, but they are a nonprofit. And it looks like from their site, they've saved 12.9 million tons of food waste by their estimation. And, you know, there's other programs out there, including local composting that are saving a lot as well. And so what's exciting about the future of the human element and that strategy is that we are really going to be impacting human beings moving forward. Mm -hmm. And as things grow and advance, we're also going to be able to throw advanced software into that mix. Tori and I have talked about this, but uh, AI algorithms and advanced computer strategy really will be able to dial into grocery store and restaurant and food ordering to really not over order and significantly reduce food waste as well. So there's a lot to consider when it comes to that element, that human element, but that, that human element is really the critical uh, piece to me. And I'm really excited about where the future goes with, with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, kind of also to your point, all of these, all three of these things, eco-friendliness, social responsibility and compliance, like they are all really, we can, we can break them down, but they're all intimately tied okay. together because of that human element. And, and so just bringing it back to compassion and empathy for your fellow people, for your fellow humans is really kind of what it's all about. So however a company 
define sustainability, you have to have a plan to implement it. And we're going to get into that just a little bit in our next section. And we're also going to include some resources below on how you can create and implement a sustainability strategy for your company. So now that we have defined sustainability and we've kind of broken it down into those three categories, we want to talk about how we can actually harness vendors to help you achieve some of those sustainability goals. And Brittany mentioned this a little bit in our last section, but states like California and New York are really pushing for this shift, and, and some of them have legislated this, pushing for zero emissions for lots of different equipment. And we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about what that looks like in the restaurant industry. But in California, for example, ovens have to have zero emissions of nitrogen oxide by 2027. And so this example, it kind of covers both the compliance and the eco-friendliness part of this topic. But what does a switch like this mean for restaurants and food producers? It seems like it's going to impact both supply chain and your in-house food production. For sure. And it's an interesting question because sometimes I think local governments and even the federal government is so excited to do great things for the environment that we sort of jump in with full feet. And so right now we have this really mm -hmm. patchwork implementation of standards across the U.S. and even within certain states. And, uh, and California is a great example, like you said. And it, it's challenging to understand and meet those unique needs. And so having local vendors and contractors and even local municipal contacts who really know the area is important for uh, a really thorough understanding of the guidelines. You can you can even leverage relationships with with utility companies uh, in California itself. Edison and SoCal Gas both have divisions that deal directly with rebates on sustainable equipment, which is which is great. So, you know, having those vendors and and contacts is super important. And I can tell you in the past, I've definitely been thankful for relationships with with those companies and with local technicians who, who understand the area as well, because they're making recommendations on equipment in a store that's not only a good fit, but um, again, go back to the rebates in the municipality that help offset some of that cost mm -hmm. of the capital spend due to the locality driving for that sustainable model. Restaurants in general, though, what I see is that a larger and high volume chains in the future may shift more toward a model where commissaries are commonly used because and less scratch cooking in the kitchens of those stores. There's some really cool tech behind some of the new induction cooking equipment, ovens, stoves, but we still do see challenges in a lot of kitchens where the tech hasn't caught up with the volume that some kitchens produce, which is an interesting uh, place to yeah. be. So. Some, you know, if you're trying to cook 80 quart pot of pinto beans from scratch, the weight of that induction cook cooktop's not going to handle that that load. And so, right. technology is still looking to catch up with those needs. But um, in the meantime, we're definitely leveraging those local relationships to find out, you know, all about those those items and how we we best implement them, and and how we also work with the grids in the local areas, which, you know, is going to be a challenge as well um, in the future. Right. So I guess this is somewhat unrelated to our to our topic, but I do think it's an interesting question. Do you, if 2027, or I've heard 2030 is a number, another year that I've heard kind of tossed around, do you think that that's a realistic timeline for some of these implementation requirements? 
For a lot of the larger chains, I think it is. When we're talking about small individual restaurants, that's going to be super tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But also, you know, one of the biggest challenges in, in multiple areas, if you're talking about Texas, if you're talking about California, and even some in New York, the grid is really not designed to handle the loads of additional electrical um, equipment that we're throwing at them. So we have to do the legwork in a way that is building us up and not going to break us down. And I feel like there's going to definitely be some challenges with the amount of additional load that we're putting on the grid in those areas since they're already having um, challenges there. So I'm excited for those those changes and those updates, but I also definitely see some some really interesting challenges for those areas. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree with you more um, in regards to just leaning on those vendors. You know, I know that we run into that issue with different states having different regulations, some being very, very strict and others others not so much and how it changes and trying to keep up with those as we move forward is difficult. And working with those vendors and, and with the sustainability, I mean, we lean on them daily. So what aspects of of sustainability do you think are most improved with strong vendor relationships? So it's this is a, a complex question. I say that all the time. But really, <laughs> it is. But it starts at the beginning. So, at, you know, from the design and build process using LEED, I don't know if you guys are, aware, you know, familiar with LEED certification, but designers and architects can now get green certifications that really help them dig into the impacts, um, but starting with that process and then moving on to menu and supplier side, working with engineers, um, operations staff, and really coming together with the vendors to evaluate the data, decide your priorities, really helps you understand the implications of how this everything impacts a commercial kitchen. Yeah, and, and one good example of that is you really need an engineer, I mean, I can do a lot of math on my own and a lot of a lot of the science behind Probably it. Probably way I, more than me, Brent. Probably way <laughs> more math and science than me. <laughs> yeah. I really rely on the engineers because if we're looking at switching uh, a kitchen, so we have some of our kitchens in New York I know of that have induction. You're looking at things like a reduced heat load from kitchen equipment overall. And that trickles down. So we can then reduce the requirement for our hood system coal. We can also cut back on HVAC because we don't have all that traditional heat pumping into the kitchen. And mm. they really help understand how that then reduces emissions. They can say, hey, look, you, you will offset your carbon emissions by this much because you don't have additional HVAC and hood power required. And so... You know, really having them to to help check those calculations and look and think about how all these things flow together is really important. And then also on the supply chain side, how where your supplies are being procured from is really important. Like, mm -hmm. are you using local or more local produce and meat suppliers? And what impact does that have on mm -hmm. transport emissions? You know, moving stuff around or bringing in meat from New Zealand or China or South America, you know, is a lot more polluting than buying beef from, you know, Iowa or somewhere within 350 miles. 
And are you also being mindful of seasonal offerings based on local availability? A lot of chains are, you know, not there yet, but some are and really paying attention to if you're having to source your tomatoes from South America or from, you know, somewhere overseas during winter, you know, how does that impact the environment? Um, and then also food and paper products uh, or paper products, I should say. A lot of those are manufactured outside the USA where the standards for emissions are far less regulated, but also the energy it takes to get those items to the mm -hmm. U.S. Is, is that additional burden, burden. So it takes a really, really great network of um, people who are specialists, great vendors, as, as well as restaurant support teams to evaluate those things together and, and build that sustainability model. And if you don't have those partners in place, you're, you're really shouldering a huge burden yourself. Yeah, for sure. It really goes back to what you were talking about earlier, Bryn, of you have to do the research on who you're partnering with. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, like it's time consuming. It requires a really deep dive and asking about the nitty gritties of their processes, but it's important work. And if you do it now, you save yourself the time when all, all of a sudden you've got not just California and New York, but you've got, you know, who Illinois and all these other states suddenly implementing all these things and you're already ahead of the game if you do it now. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I just want to thank you for, you know, your insights on all of this. I said at the very beginning of this, our goal is to learn right alongside our guest. And believe me, <laughs> I am, I am for sure learning with everything that you were explaining to us. So last question to end this topic, including vendors, what does partnering with a sustainable company mean to consumers? Well, I think people vote with their dollars, right? So to me, what it means is, especially for those younger generations out there, is that the more sustainable you are and the more you can promote that and the more people that are on board with that, the more that becomes a model for the rest of the companies out there. Because more than regulation, I feel like consumerism, especially in the United States, is going to drive where we go in the future. So, you know, being on top of that and ahead of that and, and really communicating that to your consumer and to the people that you're looking to serve just really helps them understand how they're spending their money. And if you do it successfully, other people will see that success and they will take that model and they will run with it. And I think then, you know, our collective social ambition will be to work toward that goal together instead of being divided we're we're so divided anymore these days and i think there are so many things that we can all agree on and connect on and you know caring about human beings is it's at the top of that list and so whatever we can do to drive dollars there and, and make it appealing for especially for larger companies and to see that bottom line also play into it just helps us all that's so true wow Bryn, thank you so much for joining us today. I really, really appreciate it. Is there any like final thought that you have that you're like, if our listeners take away nothing else from this podcast, this is what I want them to know. <laughs> oh man, final no pressure, thoughts. no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I would just say, be aware of the choices that you make and, you know, ask questions, even ask questions of the companies that you're interacting with, because you can drive the companies to leverage those relationships mm -hmm. and to, 
those relationships with people that can help with those changes that can be made if you're asking those questions. And if we're all asking those questions, you know, mm -hmm. we have a collective power to to make a change. I tell my kids all the time, like, you can't control everyone, but what you can do is make choices yourself that drive change. You know, it all starts with you as an individual, what you're doing, and everybody mm -hmm. has that approach. We have such collective power to change the world that it that it's amazing. Yeah. Well, Bren, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. FM industry is lucky to have you. That that's is for sure. For sure. Yes. Well, wow. That was so yeah. great to hear from Brynn. So many insights. Rhiannon, what are your top takeaways oh, from geez. the talk today? Where do I even begin? There were so many good little nuggets in there right. uh, to take away. Really, mainly, I loved listening to the changes in the restaurant industry and what they're doing just individually moving forward. I think that's it's wonderful and it's great to learn. But also, you know, for me, it's really just that self-awareness. You know, obviously we hear about sustainability. We hear about it all the time. We hear about it through, you know, our company, through the news, through our trade shows, all of the above, but just to stop and really think mm -hmm. in how I can make an impact, how we as a company can make an impact and how we can utilize our vendors and really use them to continue this movement. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I think that the just the mindfulness as mm -hmm. both as an individual consumer but then as a person who has influence in the company that i work for how do we make sure that we're making choices that are good for humans absolutely um good for our employees good for our direct consumers good for all the people that are impacted by our supply chain like that is just it's so so important and like we talked about the companies that can really get on board with this in a meaningful way right in a way that shows we're not we're not just greenwashing over all this stuff. We're really saying because we are humans, we also care about other humans. Exactly. And so we're going to make these choices as a company to demonstrate that care and impact the places that that we can that we have influence over. So just what a what a great topic and also okay. just like how freaking smart is Bryn, right? Oh my gosh, she just wow. blew me away. We were, she really really did. Just, that, that's probably my top takeaway. <laughs> yes. Brynn is, is too smart, and we, we definitely will have to have her back on the show again sometime soon. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on today's Innovation Room podcast. We are so happy to have you here. And don't forget, as always, like, subscribe, and share. Absolutely. Or drop us a comment below. Let us know what you thought about the topic today or if there are other topics that you'd like us to discuss on the podcast in the future. See y'all next time.